Hello and welcome to This Week I Learned, your audio guide to the most surprising discoveries and fascinating studies of the week. I'm your host, Lauren Hansen. This week I learned that in medieval England, villagers were overcome with something researchers call a zombie madness. They were so crippled by fear that their dead were going to rise from their graves and attack them that they went to extreme measures to protect themselves. Back in the 1960s, 137 human bones were excavated from a deserted English village. And upon further research of these skeletal remains, archaeologists at the University of Southampton found that they had been utterly brutalized. They were chopped, smashed, and burnt down to mere fragments. The bones date back to the 11th through the 14th century, and researchers first considered cannibalism as the cause of such destruction. As horrible as it sounds, it wasn't all that uncommon in the Middle Ages to be desperate enough to eat your dead. Some of the earliest American pilgrims turned to cannibalism during a particularly cruel winter in 1609. And the timing of these remains fits with a dire period of famine in medieval England. But on further look, the patterns of breakage and cut marks aren't consistent with the removal of flesh for eating. That's the good news. The bad news is that these particular markings reflect on an even darker side of medieval beliefs. In medieval northern and western Europe, it was largely believed that the dead haunted the living. But these revenants were evil. Vengeful corpses would rise from their graves and spread disease among the living. They were even known to be physically aggressive and would assault people. It wasn't all dead, though. Historical accounts suggest that these malevolent undead would have been those killed suddenly or wronged in some way. So they came back to life to cause trouble. Villagers had to develop a drastic way of protecting themselves from these vengeful zombies. So, after the dead were buried, they would sneak back into the graveyard, unearth the bodies, and mutilate, decapitate, and burn them so they couldn't walk anywhere at all. Researchers believe the 137 bones that they were studying belonged to at least 10 individuals, ranging from the age of 2 to 50. An analysis of the teeth suggests the dead were native villagers who had likely lived there their whole lives, which was definitely surprising. And none of the remains carried any remnants of disease or anything. There were also individuals buried nearby who appeared to be left alone. So why brutalize these bodies, these ten? Frankly, it remains a mystery. But this is the first evidence of such gruesome behavior found in the United Kingdom, seemingly caused by this all-consuming fear of zombie madness. This week I learned that reminiscing can shut down your body's stress response. Yep, happy memories help your brain gain control over a stressful situation. For the study published in the journal Nature Human Behavior, 134 volunteers were recruited and put into a stressful circumstance. Half of the group were told to think about a positive experience, while the other half just had to think about something mundane or neutral. Researchers found that the happy memory group felt better than the neutral group. But it was also a physical response. They found that the happy memory group had much lower levels of the stress hormone cortisol. Digging further, researchers found that reminiscing was associated with an increased activity in two important regions of the brain, the reward center and the region in charge of emotional regulation and cognitive control. 
those brain regions also happen to be the same affected by acute stress. So those happy little memories, it seems, can not only protect but restore brain function in the face of stress. This week I learned that orangutans breastfeed their young longer than any other primate. Previous studies had already clocked that record in at seven years, which is extraordinary, but new research blows that away. Wild orangutans are notoriously difficult to track. After all, they live pretty solitary lives in the treetops of rainforests in Borneo and Sumatra. But this new study published in the journal Science Advances found a way around that. Researchers studied the teeth of orangutans that had died. Now, teeth for all of us are like biological hard drives, storing our daily bodily habits for a lifetime. A natural timeline can be found in a tooth's growth rings, kind of similar to a tree's. So researchers looked at each ring for traces of the chemical element barium to track breast milk consumption. And what they found was that orangutans nursed their young for up to nine years. Barium levels show that for the first 12 to 18 months, the baby orangutans consumed only breast milk. Then they moved on to fruits and some other foods. And when food was scarce, the young would consume more breast milk. And that became a cyclical pattern until the orangutans were close to puberty, when they were weaned altogether. Now, humans rarely breastfeed past the age of three. Gorillas wean around the age of four and chimps make it to five. But orangutans clearly take the cake. But before any mothers out there feel guilty, fear not, our early weaning is actually beneficial for our species. Because we wean our children younger, we humans are able to produce more offspring than other species, which is why our population is so much more successful than the orangutans or other primates. Now, scientists don't know too much about our own breastfeeding habits, like when, for example, early weaning became common for humans. But now that researchers have figured out the teeth trick, they think they could easily find out the parental habits of our early ancestors. The problem is that those fossilized teeth are actually precious items that museums would have to give up in the name of science. This week I learned the rather unsettling origins of dentistry. The Washington Post has a riveting, if depressing, look at the humiliating divide between the rich and poor in dental care. And tucked into this long read is the reason why our teeth are treated separately from the rest of your body. It's a tradition, the Post says, that dates back to dentistry's origins as a specialty of barbers who performed oral surgery and pulled teeth. After reading that, I immediately recalled one of my favorite Saturday Night Live skits. It stars Steve Martin as Theodoric of York, a medieval barber who offered the best of what seemed to pass for healthcare at the time. You know, medicine is not an exact science, but we're learning all the time. Why, why just 50 years ago, we would have thought your daughter's illness was brought on by demonic possession or witchcraft. <laughs> but nowadays, we know that Isabel is suffering from an imbalance of bodily humors perhaps caused by a toad or a small dwarf living in her stomach. <laughs> and Saturday Night Live wasn't too far off. People turned to barbers to ail their aching teeth because barbers had the tools. There wasn't anything near preventative care at the time, so people were just hoping to get their rotted teeth yanked out of their heads. So dentistry and some minor surgeries became the barber's side hustle. 
In the Middle Ages, Western Europe began to organize their barber dentists. France established a guild of barbers, which were divided into the laymen, those who performed routine hygienic services like shaving, bloodletting, and tooth extraction, and barber surgeons, who were educated and trained to perform more complex surgeries. Early iterations of modern medicine began to grow from there, with modern dentistry evolving into a separate profession in the early 1700s. The grandfather of modern dentistry, a Frenchman named Pierre Fauchard, developed procedures we still use today, like fillings. Also, it's thanks to him that people began to realize that sugar acids cause tooth decay. Oh, and one more fun fact about the origins of dentistry, Paul Revere, as in the British are coming, was a dentist. He kind of did everything, though. He was a silversmith, an engraver, a helpful loudmouth. But around the 1770s, he placed an advertisement in a Boston newspaper advertising his services as a dentist. And that does it for this episode of This Week I Learned. Look out for new episodes every Friday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to read more about any of the facts I've mentioned, you can go to theweek.com slash podcasts, where you'll also find the week's 7-Minute Opinions and 7-Minute Explainers podcasts. And as a thank you for listening to this episode, we'd like to offer you four totally free non-commitment issues of The Week magazine. To get those, visit theweek.com slash for free. I'm Lauren Hansen, and thank you so much for listening. 